Hey, hey, welcome back. We are live tonight. Greetings and welcome to the obelisk. Our esteemed guest, David Barsky, has fallen off the flat earth. We do not know where he's at. So we're just going to BS for a while. We've invited some other people to join and we're just going to have a little bit of a, a panel discussion. And hopefully we'll get maybe even Suzanne to come on. <laughs> How you doing, Nish? I am super excited to be here, and we definitely have a hot confirmation. Well, it looks like Eric Peterson's here. So we have Eric Peterson, who I've done some really great breakdowns with, with Michael Walker. That's going to be fantastic. And also Dan Shook, daddy of the Cosmic Keys. And then, of course, if Suze joins, this is going to be really a great... It'll be rocking. Yeah, it, back on to uh, the YouTube's night. And so I'm doing good. Let's bring Eric on. He's on. He just has to unmute. Eric, Eric Peterson. Last minute, Eric Peterson. How are you doing? We'll wait, we'll wait. <laughs> but anyway, so let's announce to the world where you are, Jerry. Oh, I'm in Florida, finally. Yay. It was like a year and a half of two weeks later. <laughs> it, it was... It was over a year. It was a year and a couple weeks, yeah. I bought... Yeah. I think I closed in May of 2021 on this place. <laughs> well, I'm glad you finally made that happen. It's great. It's a new cycle. And, of course, Florida looks like one of those good states to be in these days, if you like to... Heck, Yeah. You know, there are a lot of reasons to like Florida right now. The free state of Florida. I'm I'm so happy to be here, especially after I saw that vote on the guns went out today. Did you see that the Congress congressional vote? I did. Oh, I'm my God. Everything. Going oh, my on. God. <laughs> I'm so happy that there's like four gun stores within five miles of my house. Yeah, there's there's one really close to my house, too. Well, this is going to get interesting. It's going to. It's definitely going to get interesting. One of the things that I've been enjoying watching is having, you know, I think Mark Dice used to do this and a bunch of other people would go out into the field and interview people. Still does. And, 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 but not just him, other people, I haven't seen his lately, but other people just asking questions, you know, like what's the biggest city in the world and like stuff, basic stuff people should know. And it's worse than ever out there. I mean, yeah. it's worse than ever. It's unbelievable that people are completely unaware of basic stuff you should know about know. the world around you. You know who else does a really good job with that is Fleckus Talks. I don't know if I know who that is. Oh, really? He's great. No, no. Eric, are you, oh look, and we got Dan too. So, Eric, are you there? Eric, are you kidding? No, no. Yeah, I see Eric is here, but I think he's on mute. And then he's not muted. I don't know what's going. He's having tech problems, so we'll just hold the line. Eric, when and if you can hear us, I think chat. Let's see. And then also, Shook Daddy, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> hey, brother. It's, <laughs> it's funny because I hear you guys on my car audio. Like I'm listening to a podcast in my car. 
but I've, I'm I'm driving in the car um, on Zoom from my phone. <laughs> so excellent. Well, that's. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Now we can. Okay, I think I'm, my uh, my headphones, the the ones I was using were shot. The mic's not working, so I've switched to these these others. Okay, please well, turn down your radio. I, I don't hear it in the background anymore. So okay. first of all, Eric and Dan, I think you two know each other, don't you? Cosmic Keys and then Eric Peterson. Uh, Dan, I've done those breakdowns with Eric, and he's got his own podcast out there as well. I don't think I know yeah, Dan. Good. I don't. I don't know if I know Eric officially, but good to good to meet you on the obelisk. <laughs> oh, good to shit. meet you too. You guys need to do a couple crossover shows for sure. Seriously, that it's good stuff. Uh, good connection here. So let's just start in. Um, so first of all, thank you both for being here and having a fun panel with us. And hopefully, we get the crazy and wild Suzanne Potter Thomas. Yeah, maybe Barsky will even show up. Yeah, maybe the always, <laughs> always, where is he, Barsky? And so this is like a thing. I hear myself in the background, so I think somebody's computer is on. Or that, you know, you got to mute it. Um, I think that might be uh, me. Oh, Randy's in chat. Hey, Randy. Hold on. Let's see. I don't know if I hear myself anymore. Okay, good. So let's just say hello, everyone. So Eric, how are you doing? What's going on? I am, well, today I'm doing good. Um, I just been like, I think it's been almost two weeks now. I started having like some health issues and uh, was like a stomach problem that I think I was having back in 2019. And it came back uh, <clears throat> right on the same day that I found out my grandfather, who's 101, had gone into the hospital my uncle called me so uh and at the same time you know we started looking for houses so been a lot going on but uh i was actually working with emily moyer and she put me on this new diet which is really working so i think i've turned a corner my my health is starting to get better and i'm feeling better and i've got tons of energy i was doing some woodworking today oh wow that's a good uh that's a good shout out for Emily's abilities. Yeah, she's really good at what she does. Yeah, she's been working at that a long time. And it's interesting. And just for everyone, Eric is not bitten. So it's not that. No, I am not bitten. I don't know what it was, but you know, this uh, I've been kind of going down this journey of heal thyself and you know, just sitting in the, in the pain and the discomfort, no matter how much I want to numb that out, but just allowing that information to sit with me. And I'm really starting to learn more about myself and how strong I truly am just by not relying on somebody else to fix me immediately. Yeah. Well, since now that they're creating, they've created, if the, it wasn't before, it is now a nation of hypochondriacs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. You can't have a nosebleed without people looking to create a bleed. Listen to me. Like a runny nose out in public without people looking crazy at you. Even the CDC has gone hypochondriac with that the announcement yesterday. Oh, we should put masks on for monkeypox. And then they pulled that back like two hours later. Nah, never mind. We were kidding. 
<laughs> I feel like monkeypox is like a failure to launch, right? It's just it didn't quite take off the way they thought it would. Well, it's I like, think it's I think if you give it time, I think it's going to creep. There's Very like a, only a couple hundred cases worldwide and it's not fatal. I mean, I, I don't know what the Well, pox aren't yeah. It's it's only pa uh it's only contagious by contact or sex or bodily fluids or contact, skin contact. So, I mean, it's not airborne or anything. And even if it was, it's not fatal. No, and you can get purple pitcher plant extract or right. tincture. Right. And it, it uh, well, for those of us that got pox, all pox are related. So right. we already right. have an immunity to it. But, but, but you know who doesn't? Who? Everyone who got chicken pox vaccine. <laughs> I know. But there's It's still, there's, you can get pitcher plant tincture and take that and also you can dilute it into some warm water on a towel and use it to comfort the pox as well. And if anyone's had pox in the past, you know that they're not great and they're nasty, but you know, we get stronger. We do have immune systems for a reason, people. So with that though, I wanna also let's bring on and say hello to uh, Dan of the Cosmic Keys and check in with him and then we'll just start rolling, jump in anytime for anyone here. So Dan, what's up with you, brother? You're in a new place too, you and Jerry. Danny. Yeah, I moved to Denver uh, <laughs> right during eclipse season. Uh, yeah, and I, I never thought I would end up here, but the price, it, it was kind of just a situation where I was living in a ski town. Um, it became very gentrified and expensive post COVID with everybody kind of working remote and moving to these like luxury areas. So there, there it used to be kind of like ski bum paradise to an extent. And I kind of got sick of needing to maintain a day job to do it. So now I'm just a full-time podcaster, full-time astrologer and full-time musician and i'm at the point now in denver where i can afford it but i couldn't afford it in the mountains in the ski towns so um i'm here and it's i'm digging it i kind of just move move around and am playing around with like not being like actually not being a normie and actually not working for the man because i was kind of uh juggling things very manically for a little while there but now i'm just now i'm kind of lounging leisuring leisuring this summer up and like just rolling with it so yeah i noticed you're uh recently you've been on a pretty tight schedule with the podcast too yeah well I, yeah exactly like in the winter i was focusing a lot on that astrology wall calendar that i made and like was on a bunch of different shows being interviewed but I didn't I literally didn't have the time to even put episodes out because I was working I was slaving away like nine to five doing um like vacation rental type property management stuff um and it, this chain of events that got me out of that life was very extreme but ultimately um I I quit all that and and moved to Denver to live a little bit more simply and now that i have all this 
with the podcast. Hello. Yeah, we can hear you now. You are, oh, yeah. you are, you are Mr. Robot. You are Mr. Robot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, are sorry, you... I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, yeah, so thank you. Thank you, both of you, for being here last minute. I actually think that Jerry and I need to do more of these kind of yeah. panels. This is kind of how Jerry and I started anyway, out mm -hmm. of what he called the hive. And, yeah. and we were just talking to people and having a good time. This is kind of what I do on on my show on Thursday nights. So just put together a panel of people, send out the link to, you know, certain people and whoever shows up, we don't really ever have a topic either. We just kind of go at it and see what what comes of it. And so it usually works out pretty well. You know oh, yeah. what? They always do. I've got a question for you, Eric. What is going so you're in the right now, you're still in the DC area. Is there, let's just do a little boots on the ground update, y'all. What's going on in your area? Are you seeing shortages? Is it, is what's going on? I don't really see a lot of shortages. I do like the price of food is, is going up pretty high. I mean, especially for like meat uh, and fish, uh, you know, like, at Whole Foods and some other of these smaller like organic grocery stores around here, the prices have just been steadily creeping over the last two years. Um, but never really any major shortages. And I see masks still, but you know, I'm on the Virginia side, so it's pretty relaxed over here. We, we just elected a, a Republican governor. Uh, I think it was earlier this year or late last year uh this guy yunkin and you know he immediately set about to try to like undo a lot of the covid restrictions and stuff so and and most places we've traveled to like in pennsylvania and maryland it seems like covid just doesn't exist anymore um but you still see people walking around with masks in the stores so it's like it's there but it's not there and it's hard. It's, it's really hard to say because I, I hear about like these uh, chickens that are getting destroyed by fire and a lot of the, the shortages that are going on. We just don't see it here. And I, I wonder sometimes if that's because of the area that we live in. Like it's it wouldn't be good to have shortages in the capital. Right. What about the gas? Oh, the gas is terrible. I mean, we went on a. a as you know, we went on a cross country road trip in October of last year and gas was what three, three twenty or something when we left here. And it was just about $5 a gallon out on the West coast. Now we've got gas like five, over $5 a gallon out here. And so I can't imagine what it's like where you're <laughs> we're, at. We're yeah. Out in California, it's close to $10 I've seen. Yeah, they're places. resetting all the pumps for double digit. Yep. What what are what's it down by you, Jaren, Florida? So uh, when I left, it was four nineteen in Georgia on Monday when I left, and down here it's four seventy nine. Jesus, why is it so good? That's not good. It was like a dollar less. Yeah, where I'm at, it it went from like four sixty something to like the highest I've seen is still like four ninety nine in Denver. So, <laughs> I'm over here in seven. 
y'all. The West Coast, we always get the worst of this. I remember in, oh, I think, what was it? Oh, geez, like 14 years ago, being at $6 in California and nobody else in the States. I was bitching when I was still on Facebook about it. And of course, nobody but Californians could feel my pain. Well, it was the LA area, Burbank. But here we are again. And they they have, it's been out, they have, uh, at least in Washington State, our local government did reset the pumps so that they can accept over $10 as a, as a value. Right, right, right. That's frightening. And of course, we, all, we know this isn't the agenda that they want. Yeah, Biden even said it. It's the transition we need. Yeah, poopy pants. <laughs> what about what about fucking retard is what he is. Oh my god. I want to read this, you guys. So I don't know if it's true or not, but this is my sentiment over the last three or you know, last few years. So allegedly it's from Johnny Rotten, Johnny Lydon, but he said, I never thought I'd live to see the day when the right wing would become the cool ones, giving the middle finger to the establishment and the left wing become the sniveling, self-righteous, <laughs> twatty ones going around shaming everyone. Does that not just kind of wrap up what's happened? I mean, that's where, you know, I've, I think we've all made notice of bands like rage against the machine making sure you have your pass to get in and stuff like that this is we're so far into this inversion into this upside down reality that it's beyond cartoonish at this point yeah. <clears throat> i just it? i was just uh interviewing someone who was talking about like 25 year trends of like ultra liberalism versus ultra conservatism and he was saying that like the 60s and 70s were ultra liberal and then there was a shift in the 80s into the 90s and the early 2000s of conservative and he said we're like right at the edge we're in the ultra liberal space but we're going to shift ultra conservative pretty quickly and i definitely feel like we're like really riding the edge right now um because i don't know like i i'm pretty liberal minded and artistic and you know open-minded and lots of people are are comprehending what woke actually is and once that tipping point is reached it's going to be a really harsh pushback like massive pushback against all of this stuff but i it's kind of a matter of how long how long they can keep like fucking with us enough to to keep their their power in this like authoritarian leftist woke domination but uh, there's going to be a big i see a big pushback coming for sure i think the the virtue signaling too is just off the charts it's so disgusting and in your face where corporations are you know doing these meaningless gestures uh because for some reason it it's like they have to um, like they all get the same memo and like, you have to do this for this month and, you know, you have to promote this thing. And I mean, even like celebrities that come out, you know, with, the, with whatever's going on in Ukraine, it's, it's almost like an automatic response, you know, you, uh, we must support Ukraine. You know, it's, I think people are just 
yeah, they've had enough. They're getting sick of it because it's becoming so transparent about how ridiculous it is. You're not allowed to have your own opinion or form your own opinion on anything. Yeah, it's it's over the top. I just want to make a comment. I've never been a fan of uh, I appreciate the band, but I've never been a fan of Rage Against the Machine. But I just think it's ironic that a band with that name is is so institutionalized now that it's hard to put that irony down. And I love using it as an example. There's one thing. So Masaki out there, I'm sure he's out there, had mentioned to me recently that he thinks that there's a push so far that this is all going to push so far, this leftist stuff, this crazy, crazy, crazy stuff that it's almost like, and I'm par- I'm I'm totally fucking it all up, but basically that there's a huge right swing because of all the craziness on the left and all the stuff that's just disassociated from anything that's reality based at all, that it's going to create some really extreme stuff from the right, like we have seen um, in some of the dystopian orderly stuff, like say Handmaid's tale and stuff like that maybe not exactly in those in that form but something where there's such a push because this is so crazy when we're in a world where uh the definition of a woman is a beard and a cock i mean come on (laughs) have you have you guys seen the uh what is a woman video I don't know if I've seen that one, but Movie? Ricky on Ricky's Netflix comedy thing was killing me about the hmm. old women. I don't want to talk about the old one, the old women, you know, the ones with wombs. <laughs> so I just think this is so crazy. Uh, this kind of how they, how everything's tipped away from really absolutely just baseline reality. A woman is not, a person with a beard and a cock. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is just not a woman. A woman to me still is a a homo sapien, a homo being, a human being with a a womb that gives birth to a baby. No offense to anyone in the spectrum of gender, but that is, I'm sorry. That's the definition of a woman for me. So well, I have a beard and a cock, so I'm glad to hear that I'm not a woman. All right, Miss Shook Daddy. <laughs> I have a beard and a cock, but I wish. Do I you have a womb, though? Do you have a womb? Hey, you can give birth anally. There's no need for a womb right. anymore. Yeah, to a viable human. Sure. Didn't they? Wasn't there that guy in Hawaii that uh, was the first male to give birth? Yeah, yeah. that was a yeah. long time ago, yeah. wasn't yeah, it? Was transgender. Yeah. I yeah, don't have a, a problem with that. I have no problem with I that. I don't either. Making the rest of us bend to this language is absurd. And we do need to have these definitions of of understanding what is what is what are these things? And and the biology counts here. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be offensive to people on some spectrum with this that is pushing this onto us. We need to remain somewhat on the same page as far as words and definitions the, the the kids who had to wear masks in school are gonna really come back with a vengeance yes. i think and and it's gonna be like when they are actually in the workforce or you know in the real world and not kids anymore 
I think that's when the pendulum is going to swing so far. And I could easily see it being like orthodoxy and like um, really like conservative Christian fundamentalism and orthodoxy and traditionalism. And by that point, too, like it's going to be the great reset is still going to happen either way. So we're going to be fucked either way. Um, so we might have to take up a lifestyle like that that is super trad. And I feel like these kids who were abused by these libtard parents are going to be leading the charge. And it's probably going to arrive in like five or 10 years. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a theory that I've been working on recently about this. And I think that the Mormons are actually going to play a big role in what you're talking about. Because the person who fed me these ideas, I just want to say his name is Dan McKinley. And um, he's on Twitter and he he kind of got my my mind going in this direction. And he's a Mormon. And I was like, oh, shit, the Mormons, yeah. are, the Mormons are, are having their moment soon. I feel it coming. Sneak There's some Mormonism bullshittery around Mormonism, though. Oh, yeah. There's but some bullshittery around There's so much Mormon stuff in in the popular culture right now. There's like shows about it. Uh, Salt Lake City itself is blowing up. I mean, they've the new construction there is just insane. That city is expanding. Uh, Mormons are really big into tech. I didn't even realize this until recently, but uh, there are a lot of tech companies run by Mormons, and you know they're hiring all. They're creating all these tech jobs in Salt Lake City, and they're building all these new buildings, and you know they're drawing a lot of people in, but the Mormons have quite a big influence, especially when it comes to uh, like genetics and, you know, ancestry.com and these types of things, the big DNA grab with the, the PCR test. I, I definitely see the Mormons being involved in whatever's to come in the, in the near future. The BlackRock bought ancestry. Yeah. They're building, right, a, but they're building an arc. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, I am down for some of that good Mormon underwear with 5G <laughs> and all this. The whole time they knew something because that underwear is basically like your tinfoil suit and it protects your genitals and your organs. And you can get like the long T-shirts. I remember I worked with the Mormon in New Mexico and I just... I, I wasn't, this is so long ago now, but I was like, oh, isn't this interesting? And he talked to me very openly because it, they usually don't, but I don't know, for whatever reason, I was leaving and he felt free. And so, yeah, the ornament, the, the underwear, that's where it's at. Protect your shit, protect your junk. You know, the, all the, the underwear is also what, what makes it magical is that there are symbols sewn into it that are Masonic. Okay, so I did not know this is new to me. And I just want to say hello, Suze, officially. <laughs> I want to know <laughs> Thank about... Thank you, hello. Yeah, and by the way, it's not Blackstone that owns Ancestry. It's Black... Black Rock. Black, Black uh, Rock. It's, it's not Black Didn't Rock. I say Black Rock? It's not Black Rock. It's Blackstone. Oh, black Blackstone. well, because there is Black Rock and Black Rock yeah, and yeah. Blackstone have a relationship. I did post that on Twitter, but yeah, I want to both get represent back... the cube of Saturn. Oh, yeah. Of Ooh, I mean, it's nice. so obvious. They're not hiding this. No. But I want to know about the sigils in the Mormon underwear. What what in the butt? Well, I actually I saw something on Twitter that was showing 
when Joseph Smith died, he had like a Picatrix based uh, Jupiter talisman like in his pocket or something. So like they and and he was a Mason and lots of early Mormons were Masons. So there's like a there's definitely like an esoteric Masonic connection to to whatever the hell they're they're up to, which I I don't know anything about it, but I did see. I think it was Damien Eccles. He posted that Joseph Smith had these like um, old school Picatrix Jupiter talismans, like professionally made, like on him when he died. So, well, he was a magician for sure. I mean, the way he, whether or not you know he he actually found physical gold tablets, I don't know. But my my theory on it was that. You know, they they were not just Joseph Smith, but a lot of people at that time were investigating these mounds. And he was up in that area in New York, and he like a lot of weird stuff was going on in New York around that time. A lot of spiritualism, a lot of occult things were happening. And so a lot of these locations were very significant to them. And so he was at a mound where I guess he had a vision. And then his wife transcribed what he was was seeing or experiencing. And this is how they got the the Book of Mormon, uh, at least the the first version of it. But I think that, you know, Joseph Smith was a magician. I think he was practicing sex magic, because if you look at some of the practices within Mormonism that still survive today, like soaking, um, I mean, that's a form of sex magic, the magic underwear, the, you know, up in the higher echelons of Mormonism, you know, there's a completely different doctrine and view of what they're doing, right? Most Mormons don't, don't know that, but there's a, like a veil that if, if you get invited to, to go behind the veil, you're, you're given certain secrets of the Mormon doctrine of the church, um, and I think that Brigham Young had something to do with Joseph Smith's death. I think Brigham took over and he, he changed things in a way that I don't think Joseph Smith would have, would have wanted. And so there, there, there was a lot of fuckery going on. Uh, but definitely Mormonism itself was born out of like an occult, uh, group, or it was like a, an occult initiation and then other followers that were brought in, they they put it in the terms of like Christianity because that's what most people understood at the time. And so, you know, it was in a way like a secret society where you had a certain group that knew the truth about what they were doing and what they were really into. And then everyone else just thought they were practicing this new, stricter form of Christianity. I think it should be noted, too, that all these major organizations, including the Masons and others, there is a plateau in which you reach. And then above that plateau, there are the the need to know other organizations or orders within them. And if you don't know, you don't know. And if you haven't been invited, you don't know. It's all hearsay at that point because of these elusive and uh 
the way the system's set up. And so, you know, this is a lot of times the problem when we start making blanket statements about like all the Masons, a lot of Masons are really good people that I know that are just trying to help out. And then there are those that are not. And this, this goes into every, this goes everywhere. I mean, we could talk about the whole idea of the synagogue of Satan, which is something I've really been digging into lately. And all of that, there's some juicy stuff coming forward with that whole idea of the synagogue of Satan and some of these new transcripts that have have been uh, coming to light if anyone's paying attention to that as well. I hadn't heard about that, but I did uh, hear something recently about Anton LaVey and it kind of changed my perception of him a little bit that, you know, he was more of a showman, but he, whatever he was doing, it was his own unique style of magic and that he wanted people to see him, as this evil guy but you know whatever he was doing it was he was accomplishing something and he had all these like strange practices that he would do and the more you really look into it you start to see that like it's it's really not that much different from a lot of the uh religious leaders and the things that go on in in major religions too well, one of the things that has tripped me out, so y'all may not know this, but I listen to some preachers that are like in, that are totally just over the top <laughs> preachers. And like the crazy one with the eyes, he's just a total demon. I can't think of his name right now. Um, oh God, who just- It's the, the guy whole, they make the mixes of the- Yes, the I, I COVID. <laughs> I know. And God told me I needed this yacht and uh, 33 others. And um, those guys just kill me. And then another one is Perry Stone. Man, that guy's a charismatic. He can, he just gets it going. And so, you know, I'm just morbidly obsessed with, I guess I have a dark fascination with these charismatic types of people in the world, period. And I, you know, if you start seeing that kind of charisma and you experience it without kick knee jerk responses or without emotional content involved it's very entertaining to watch so, uh, <laughs> kenneth also, copeland it, is that guy's name kenneth copeland, I was kenneth yeah, copeland is that's who it juicy. is holy crap i can't believe people that follow that eyes. man. he looks as evil as you get i've never seen anyone yeah. look so demonic as kenneth copeland and he's gigantic he makes uh Tammy Faye and uh, Jim look, I mean, the, the, all these other ministries, he's so big and he's just blatantly club of, you know, he's like Jupiterian and club of Rome all the way with just the bigger, more God told me I deserve all this and y'all are going to, you know, facilitate it in the law of attraction he pushes and it's just unbelievable to me again i watch it without being emotional i watch it well to me it's straight up entertainment so i i don't know how i don't i'm i'm perplexed that people take him seriously but that kind of person that kind of personality that's how you get these cults that's how you get this kind of deep dark narrative 
and I question how is it that so many people can buy into that kind of rhetoric? That's what surprises me. Actually, I had a good friend uh, that I worked with, and she was from Oregon, and she was in the Pentecostal church. And, uh, you know, she was telling me about, I don't know if they were in Kenneth Copeland's sort of ministry. I don't, I don't know where his church is exactly, but they were definitely following that kind of, you know, very uh, showman-like preachers that uh, they probably even did like the snake handling in their church. And she loved those. (laughs) (laughs) She was telling me about her, her upbringing and her experiences. And I mean, it was pretty intense. Like I know that when you're raised in that, I mean, you don't really know any better. You don't know any different. And there's a lot of pressure on you in, if you're in a family like that to do everything the right way, you know, the speaking in tongues and all of that. It's, it's almost like you have to commit to believing that it works. Otherwise, if, if you question that it is this really working, what's going on here? then everyone is against you and they, they shun you. And there's, a, there's a lot of shaming and excommunication and, and that kind of thing. A lot like the Mormons do. Moment of silence. I was just trying yeah, to be respectful <laughs> and let other people jump in. <laughs> I know I can talk for everyone. I was just going to say like, human nature is culty and and nobody wants to admit that but um i think tribal is probably a better word yeah try it's definitely tribal and um i think like the prevailing cult right now is the leftist like virtue signaling social justice cult and i don't think it's gonna i don't think it's gonna last but that's the only thing right now that's actually kind of like replacing religion. I, I feel like that is. And then um, I don't know, like the, the virtue signal and the sort of like um, purity that people expect out of like social justice people and the mob mentality and the, it, it all fits in the cult definition. And I think, the reason it works is because that's like humans will do that. And if you tell humans that they're atheists, they'll figure out a culty way to be atheists or whatever. Just look at, <clears throat> look at the mask people. They're, they're cultish. The whole, the whole COVID vaccine thing is very cultish. Oh yeah. I think that we are creatures of culture that no matter how we organize ourselves, whether it's in a tribe or you know a large community of people i think we there is a human propensity to want to be a part of the group to do what everyone else is doing uh and whatever's fashionable at the time which is part of the culture you know it it doesn't really it doesn't benefit you to go against your culture because usually you become an outcast although there are always those people in every culture that don't want anything to do with their culture they just don't fit in but yeah i definitely think that you know we could use the word cult but i just say culture because that's 
that's really all it is, is that people right. want to be a part of what everyone else is doing so they can fit in with the culture. And that's and, kind of where we are. That's kind of what mm-hmm. has, is going on with how this is swinging back and forth. And at this point, is it not so obvious that everyone's working together behind the scenes and the scripting is sloppy and I'm wondering, and I have to assume that it's all intentional. I know that a lot of people are talking about it's not, I know that a lot of people are saying they're the shadowy hand is trying to regroup and, and things are going awry, but I just continue to have this feeling that it's all going exactly as planned and that some of the sloppiness is intentional and some of it's really a test to see where the collective is. If you can throw poopy pants up and he turns around and starts shaking the hands of people we can't see and can't figure out how his way out until they shuffle him out. Um, If they show you this, it's intentional. I mean, they can cut the screen at any time. And remember, they can feed into his head exactly what he needs to say. And there have been plenty of opportunities where he has done that, you know, like shake, you know, salute the Marine where he just says it out loud and they're, you know, so I feel like the whole dog and pony show is absolutely doing what they want it to do. And that we're, it's a test a greater test, a greater litmus test for the collective. And that's what I find even more mm, sensational. Yeah, I mean, I think um, the current thing changes literally day by day. (laughs) I mean, whatever whatever people are definitely does whatever people think the current thing is going to be for a long period of time doesn't even last the week like the texas (laughs) shooting is old news which is fucking crazy (laughs) but i i and i do i don't think anything's on accident and i do think that there's there has to be some method or theory that they are so fishy they're they're shoot they're throwing these things at us getting everybody riled up for 24 hours and then the next day it's something completely different and new um they because they 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 have the control of the narrative they have the control of the media they could be talking non-stop every single day about roe v wade if they wanted to but that's old news at this point um so I, I, and even with Biden, what you were talking about, like he, he kind of that kind of like retarded, senile, confused presence, I think fits in with the, the constant shifting of the current thing on a 24 hour basis. And I, I, I think it's just because they're really prepping us for the big, the big one, whatever the big thing is not just the current thing. Oh yeah, I think we're being bottlenecked in. You know, the the thing for people like us that have been watching and uh, I guess staying in the game with our finger on the pulse enough to be in observance is that how absolutely ridiculous it is that every 
turn that uh, orange man bad made. Uh, I'm just saying that as a joke, right? Uh, every turn, like if he flatulated, it was impeachable, right? Every turn the man made, there was just like craziness around it. And, and the current poopy pant man, there is so much impeachable stuff going on within that administration, not just with his son and the collusion there and all that stuff, but all this other stuff. And that if just, I don't know, one one hundredth of the stuff that's actually appears to be true by looking at the receipts uh, would have been true on the other side, then then there would have been something impeachable, but there wasn't. He never, none of that ever really sussed out because it was all folly. And so I'm not giving allegiance to any of these motherfuckers. I'm saying I'm looking at this and I think it's so hypocritical. And not only do I think it's hypocritical, but most of the crazed left right now, and I'm talking about the crazed left, I'm not talking about people in the center or that, you know, I'm just talking about the extremists and that it doesn't even matter. They don't look at receipts. They don't look at anything. And at this point, like when Elon Musk came in and of course, everyone in the tech world understands how many bots are on everything. But he, I think that this idea of exposing how many bots are on these platforms, how many bots are adding to polls, how many bots are filling in numbers and giving crazy stats that that was a little bit of a gift to the collective. Now, whatever you want to think about him, and I have a lot of opinions, it's still, again, the pieces of the puzzle are out there in front of us. And it's our due diligence and I think uh, deductive reasoning and critical thinking that gets us to a bigger picture, especially when we set aside our emotional tickers and our emotional stuff, because everything is definitely riding on emotionality. Yeah, it certainly feels like the the 24-hour news cycle and the constant bombardment of, you know, new events is designed to keep you in this like low vibrational emotional state and not allow you. I mean, one thing I've I've kind of noticed just going through my own my own health issues is just how if you go on Google and you put in a symptom, uh, you know, you're going to get a litany of like terrible, horrible things that it could be. And I've realized that, you know, when you go to a doctor and they want to give you all this medicine or do surgery, it's really just designed to prevent you from getting in touch with yourself. Because when you're, when you're in pain and, and you're, you have to focus on that pain, you really start to get in touch with your, your higher self. I mean, some people even have transcendent experiences going through that. And I think, you know, the entire medical industry is, is really designed to keep you from realizing just how powerful you really are. And so the news is really no different. It's, it, on one level, it's there to distract you constantly, but also to ramp up your emotions, fear, anxiety, um, and to get people to come together, right? There's this idea of we all must stand together against gun violence. We all must stand together against Russia and support Ukraine. We all must 
It's it's always trying to unite everybody and then at the same time divide everybody, right? With what we saw in, what was it 20, 2020 uh, with the George Floyd thing and, you know, all of the the statues being torn down. It's and one one minute they're dividing us and the next minute they want to unite us all. And it can get very exhausting and confusing. And I, I think people just get so emotionally overloaded that, you know, they, they can't really stop and question and think and really form opinions and investigate things for themselves. Where is this going, though, like as Dan was talking about earlier with the state of the nation? And I would extend that to nations with what's going on with the education and first of all, the education of the children. But then, you know, everyone's been put under mass trauma event that is unrelenting and continues to be uh moving deeper and harder into this idea of total control. We are, we are in for some crazy times just because of what has been done to the youngins. My, my personal view, and it's, it's not necessarily a popular one, but, and I think that it's a matter of perspective, really. You can, you can see things from a myriad of different perspectives, but, when I start looking at this stuff, when I see the the blatant propaganda and the almost clown-like nature of, of reality, to me, it, it's going along with, you know, the, the age that we've moved into and the energies that are at play to really shock people out of this dependence on the state, on government, on medicine, on doctors, on authorities in general and really get people to start to reclaim their own sovereignty and their own power over the, their, their lives to make decisions for themselves and their families. I mean, it, it may have to get extremely bad for a majority of people to finally collectively just decide that this isn't, this isn't working. We don't want this anymore. I completely and, agree. Yeah, sometimes it feels like they'll never get there, that people will just take whatever is given to them. But I think there is going to they be will. a breaking point. There is. Yep. I've been in the school system for, I have four kids. So my oldest is 37. I've been in the school system for a really long time. I've seen what they've done, how much power they've taken away from parents, how much perceived quotes how much perceived power they have tried to say they've taken away from parents. And parents don't know any better because they don't go and read the schools. They don't read the educational codes. They don't know their rights. They listen to the people that tell them at the school, your child has to be here or you are going to get arrested. No, that's not the truth. I took my my youngest out after 10th grade year because he hated school from like forever and was in gate and hated just hated all of the rote stuff it was horrible so 
I took him out and they tried to tell me like the cops were going to come and all this bullshit. And I was just like, look, it's completely this. You you just have to read the code. This code tells me right here. It is my right to take my child out. You have no rights on my child. Blah, blah, blah. You have to read the fucking educational codes. Parents, please educate yourselves because your kids are depending on you. I think that's why homeschool is is seeing a huge surge. So many people are moving to homeschooling. People have been exiting major cities the last two years and buying up properties out in the country, starting to grow their own food. Uh, People that, you know, maybe five years ago would never have even thought to be homesteaders are now homesteading. And, you know, the, the fact that they can work from home with the technology available and work is moving so that we can be more mobile and, and nomadic in a sense, or we don't have to be tied to a certain location necessarily. And I, I really see a lot of people getting tired of the system to, to one degree or another and starting to, you know, pull away from it. I, I mean, do too. alternative... You know, homeopathic treatments, herbalists, all of these things are on the rise and, and they're making lots of money right now because there is a huge shift in consciousness away from you know, reliance upon the state, reliance upon allopathic medicine and the education system and, and all of these things. People are starting to just exit the system and find alternatives and create new communities. So I, I do think there is definitely some hope out there for sure. I definitely yeah, I agree. Hope. I know. But, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, I was just gonna say like, um, yeah, everything is crumbling apart, but like people are ready to be pseudo off the grid or pseudo decentralized. like. I feel like the internet isn't going to go away. The technology and, and there, there is actually potential for like kind of like a decentralized utopian type of way of life. If people literally don't even need to be dependent on the grocery store that is going to have the green pass that you need the shot to go into. Like I, I do because mainly it's because like the younger generation I'm, I'm, in my mid thirties and I'm seeing you, I'm hanging out with young people these days in their early twenties and the, the girls are straight up saying, yeah, I want to be a housewife. Like women, my age, when they were in their twenties could not even say anything like that. And the people who are like getting, getting the jabs, doing the social justice, gender spectrum stuff, are, are just like not even going to like physically survive, like whether the jabs kill them off or whether they, their mental capacity is at such a low point. And I firmly believe that there is going to be a huge traditionalist movement that's like homesteading and part of this like digital ecosystem, but it, it, it literally will be de- decentralized and it'll just be, but but there's gonna be a, I, I see a huge crash coming for like this beast system that has these purple haired you know ten different genders per week 
weaklings die off, like ideologically, they're going to lose all their power and they will physically not procreate <laughs> into the future. So it's, it's like a culling of the population that's going to lead to this like really more utopian, like earthy digital utopia. Like, I think that's possible, but we're in the stage where like the screaming SJW people are like gripping for their last, you know, their last taste of power. But when the pendulum, when the pendulum shit swings, they're going to just be totally, they're going to be dead. I mean, they're going to be, they're going to be on their 10th booster. They will. And they don't, they don't procreate. If you chop your dick off, you do not procreate. Yep. Yep. That's a great point. And the other thing too, is it seems like we're normalizing mental illness in this country. We're at an end of a civilization. I I said it like a year ago because reading history, Every civilization comes to an end. It doesn't mean the civilization dies. It just means it's re, you know, you go into a new civilization, go into a new like timeline, basically. Right? So whatever happens. It's a paradigm shift. It's a paradigm shift. And the pendulum, yes, we've been talking about the pendulum for a really long time. And that shit is gonna come back. And like Adam said, the pendulum is going to have a guillotine on it. And it's these a, people are not going to survive. <laughs> it's a huge axe. And these people that think they're in the right right now, because, you know, that's been the agenda. They've held them up. And I feel, I feel really bad. Like I, these people don't deserve what's going to happen to them because I don't think that most of them set out for what is going to happen. Like they're probably decent people who just got caught up in a movement and they are going to be, you know, sadly, they're going to be, you know, the cattle that's get, get slaughtered. And they need to think about that. They, everybody, everyone needs to think about where they are, what their position is, how you know like how far they are willing to put their position forward what what it will cost them all that stuff because this is for all the marbles here so well i'm not saying it's the end of the world no of course it's not it's just it's a you know we're at a crossroads and exactly it's the, it's the, it's an end for sure. Yeah. And it, it's a well-needed end. We need to. Yes. It's the fourth over. turning. Yes. yes. <laughs> turn, turn, yeah, job, it, baby. It, the fourth turning is so huge. I mean, that, that's, we're in the freaking pit, pit right now of the fourth <laughs> yeah. turning. But it needs, it needs to happen. And I think yes. part of what is interesting for me is noticing the fact that so many people can, with the veil as thin as it is, and with all of these, and I call them monsters, uh, showing them, you know, being seen for what they are so easily, how thin everything looks as far as the agendas and uh, how obvious it all is that, so many people are still blinded and that's always what concerns me is that they're 
and I could be wrong here, but there does seem to be a large number of them. It does seem to kind of look like it splits in the middle for some reason. And I mean, there are just little things here that are, are so obvious. The fact that say uh, Schwab, you know, I mean, look at, he couldn't be more of what he is. And then you look into his, his genealogy and you look into his father and, you know, I mean, the apple fell right next to the tree. And so it's just, it's so obvious and in our faces and those of us that are, we don't even have to be sharp to pick, pick up on this stuff. You don't even have to be sharp to pick. 95% of people do not know about Klaus Schwab though. I know this way. That's the out. sad part. Because they're watching fucking CNN and they're like brain dead and just watching TV. So uh, that's the sad part. So, how do we wake these people up? How do we get them to realize we are, they're lemmings going up? I mean, I almost feel like at this point, look, I, I have, have to let those people go. Yes. I can't do anything for them. I've warned them. I've I've pleaded. I've begged. You know, what more can I do? Hey, we have a new panel participant. Ooh. Hey, Rad. Rad, it's so good to see you. Oh, my gosh. How are you doing, sir? That's right. Since I'm not on, I'm not on, uh, you, on, since we're not showing the world, hello. Hello. How are you doing? Hello. Thanks for so joining. Nice. Yeah. Yes, thank you. What's going on? Give us a little boots on the ground over where you are. Well, I guess, the, you know, the biggest boots is what I'm doing. I mean, I've gotten into building vintage amplifiers. I'm up to, I'm, I'm working on my third right now. With the uh, tubes or solid state? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah awesome. No, like vintage champs are my first two builds. And then I've learned enough about amp building to to contrived my own bass amp i did i tested it the last jam that we did and i i fell in love with the sound um so now i'm going to configure it correctly i I didn't have the right size tube that i really ultimately want to use because bass requires a little more power and uh so that's what i've been up to and talk uh, about bringing the sexy into the chat (laughs) you look really good but talking analog like that with the instruments i mean this is this is sexy talk to me I love well, that. And the bass too. So well, how, how is ahead. this all playing out though? So are you having any problems? Have you had any problems playing out or doing gigs during this whole last debacle? Is it, is it loosening up? What's going on? Yes. It's loosening up. And during the debacle, I just kind of phased out. I mean, I had been sober for nine years during the debacle. I started drinking beer. Um, that all ended last September and that's when my amp building began. <laughs> <laughs> nice transition. Well, I had all the parts. I had gotten them just before the insanity began. And like I said, you know, they, the insanity began. I was like, what am I, what kind of, this world is insane. And, and then the government sends me all this drinking money. And, uh, so I said, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to keep up, you know, we're not, I wasn't, I didn't, I just, it was just about maintaining. I found a beer I really liked with nice deep brown ale with roasted with vanilla beans, you know, and uh, it was just really tasty. And I didn't go, you know, I wasn't looking to get, I never really wanted to get drunk, but I maintained a like, who gives a shit kind of buzz. Um, 
you know, the, you know, the, I didn't have to, you know, the, they had, there was a little bit when I had to go get my beer, I had to put my, one of my scarves across my face. Um, and from the very beginning, I realized if I didn't sneak it beneath my nose, somebody's going to, have to pick me up off the floor. So, um, cause I just, I don't know how people did it. I mean, I was, I was feeling the oxygen deprivation you, within three minutes. It was like, I need to go outside and get some air. It, I mean, I found it same quite, here. quite unbearable. I mean, I, I didn't couldn't know, do it. I really did, don't know how people did it and, 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 and stayed, you know, upright. Seriously. I mean, I'm not, I, I really felt like I was going to faint and that was after about three minutes. I saw my mailman today. It was really hot out uh, early afternoon and he was walking his, his route and he was wearing a mask still. And I'm like, I don't, yeah, I don't know how this guy's breathing. I mean, it's so humid. It's already taking your breath away and he's wearing this mask going door to door, delivering mail. It well, was wild. Smoker, I need more oxygen anyway. Well, I mean, we've all, every one of us has talked to all high ends about the science of masking and how ridiculous this is and what a ritual it all is and the submission factor, but also how it dims down the cognitive abilities because people aren't getting the oxygen they need. It's, it's ridiculous. And that's part of what's been alarming to me to see since it's not been a mandate around here, at least, how many people are still riding that wave. I see them in, I see them in their cars. I see, just like you said, Eric, I see a different male person once in a while that comes through that is in full on gear you know, gloves, everything. So these people are riding out the fear wave and obviously they are buying into, into what's going on. However, there's still, for me, that bottom layer, deep woo of a subtle parasitic invasion. And I think some of these things are writing that out as well they need to stay obscured for whatever reason and that is another thing have any of you noticed a difference in the timber or pitch or uh, cognitive abilities of people around you that you deal with whether they're bitten or not just have you noticed subtle changes in not your immediate circle but say the cash out person or the gas station person or the people you kind of passively see here and there, what are the general changes you've noticed in people over the last two years? Well, I'll speak that the people who, um, who seem kind of, basically they don't seem any different after the mask wearing than before, which is, I suggest, you know, like was the people who kind of fell into it. Okay. Who really fell into the, the narrative and enforced the fear. Um, they were already to me that's already you're already damaged then you know what's the difference between that amount of damage and a little more and i i know that sounds real cynical but that's my experience that's my i agree you know experience of it and that's why i stayed out of it i didn't get into any conversations about it it was also ridiculous it was just like you know i wasn't going to get into conversations especially with anybody who's, who's getting their information again for, you know, they're basically they're parrots. And I'm, you know, the last thing I'm gonna do is get in a conversation with a parrot. I'd rather get one of those cockatiels that calls me cocksucker. <laughs> I live in a college town and all the college kids 
Like they, <laughs> they're so compliant. It's amazing. Um, so it depends on, I think the demographics of the city you're in or the town that you live in or the area. Uh, if you have older people, I think older people tend to be like, fuck this bullshit. <laughs> From the beginning, I was like, why are you complying? Why are you, this makes no sense. Why are you doing this? Stop complying. Like I wanted everybody just to stop. And, and then I went to the teeter of, oh my God, this could kill us all. Remember you guys? I was like flipping out a little bit thinking I this was I remember, really some bullshit. I remember having to talk you down so many times. You did because I was like, oh, reading all of the, the stuff from Wuhan and China and seeing like them, like, you know, putting people in their homes and welding them in there, <laughs> all the propaganda. And then I was like, what if this is really something because at first I kept asking John, oh my God, is this, are, do we need to be afraid of this? What the fuck, dude? And he's like, at first he was like, no, no, I think this is just propaganda, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, I don't know anymore. You know, so we were like, <laughs> holy shit. And then his <laughs> uncle died, right? His uncle died from COVID. Yes, and yeah. his aunt. And his aunt. And yeah. they both had remdesivir. Yep. Run death is near. Yes, exactly. Oh, that is the perfect, perfect. And they weren't, neither one were vaccinated. So, and they got it from a vaccinated person, which, you know, in their office, which, uh, you know what? Well, if they had so, three masks on, they would have lived. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I'm, well, I'm you kidding. Know the, Sorry, John. Like, if you're I know. No, I know. But to that, Suze, to that, I think that it is wise when something new is afoot and we don't actually know yes. anything and there are no receipts around that are credible right that it is wise to be cautious yeah. and yes. have, a, have a corrupt media organ uh, yes and we knew that we doesn't couldn't give trust you the, the truth data exactly. from china exactly. we knew we couldn't trust them and so we, we still we do were like and, what the fuck but then but then we graciously accept the alleged virus right genome from china and make vaccines vaccine. out of it yeah i know uh-huh it's crazy Yep. I know. I've definitely noticed, I mean, the just complete strangers when we go to the store or when we're out and about, um, it just seems like people are in a malaise. Like they're just kind of automatons just wa walking around doing their tasks. And I don't, you know, if they're not wearing a mask, Usually it's that one person in the checkout line that's ringing people up that's not wearing a mask that is more friendly than anybody else. But everybody else that's still wearing the mask, even though it doesn't seem like it's the store's policy for them to, because some people don't do it, um, that they're just sort of dead in the eyes. They don't pay much attention to anything. And the people I do know, like uh, somebody I work with, I, I had to go back to the office one day a week and this woman that I work with who, you know, I really like this, this woman, she's really nice. We've had great conversations, you know, now she's, she won't get close to me. She's like got her mask on and she's Chinese. Right. So she she's put, very she much a joke. Yeah. She, she was very much <laughs> raised. <laughs> 
in the culture of, you know, wear your mask and do everything that they tell you to do. So I can understand where she's coming from, but it was just kind of like, a, I, I don't know how to interact with her anymore because she wants to be behind this mask and stand in her cubicle away from me. And, you know, it's just sad to see uh, a lot of the people I work with that I saw are, are wearing masks, except for this one guy who I, I actually hadn't talked to this guy much. And he has the craziest stories. He, he was in Mexico or he was in California when COVID started, when the lockdown started. And then he went to Mexico and he, he saw a cartel shooting and he started an OnlyFans page. I mean, this guy was ready to just tell me his life story, but you know, he, he wasn't wearing a mask and he seemed great. So there certainly are a lot of people that just seem kind of, I don't know, not really there. It's yes. hard to describe. Just no, they're the not there. They are not there. They are following the, this, the news and they are not thinking for themselves. They've checked out. They've totally checked out. I see it all the time. I yeah, more so drive than I delivery for COVID. Uber. And we live in a college town. And there's people that cross the street that have masks on. And they don't even fucking look at the cars. They just cross. Like, they're not even there. They're not even people anymore. It's so weird. The fluoride stare kind of. Yeah, that's exactly. But with a mask on and like not even looking to see if you're going to go. Like, dude, you don't always have the right of way. Sorry. I see this as Sophia, <laughs> Sophia's correction. Yeah, it's, it's a, good, a lot easier to see things. Good point. Hmm? Yeah, it's, I also noticed like, oh, hello. I have a lot of friends who were on board with this whole thing the whole time and we're fine with the mask we're getting all the boosters or whatever but i do notice that right now it, you know right now in their head everything is fine everything like it's it's back to normal it's like this whole thing is over it's back to normal but you know that if like something on the tv immediately said we need to bring the masks back boom they would have them on in a second but i just think it's interesting now there there is like a demographic of compliant people who truly think that they're not doing anything wrong by not wearing a mask that you don't need to social distance and that this whole thing is currently over and, and but i just know for a fact that it will only take one cdc announcement for them to, to totally do a 180 and go back to it, which is interesting. I hear where I'm at. Even the stores have removed all of those six feet social distance stickers. They've taken the plexiglass down from in front of the cashier. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they've relaxed their, you know, nobody's required to wear masks anywhere here in Virginia, but it, it's like they've taken away all of the evidence that, covid was ever here right the plexiglass the stickers the signage all of that just quietly just disappeared slowly <laughs> and still you know you see people with the the gloves the the surgical gloves 
rubbing the the alcohol on their hands when they get in the store and it, it's just bizarre that they continue to do it like it's it's almost a habit now and i've heard people say yes, well yes i i just feel more comfortable in my mask yeah yes yeah and that's, that's they do. the mind control yeah. hey well, before we, i want to welcome uh, corinne a cult priestess joined us welcome that's a cult so nice. priestess hey girl how are you can you hear me? Test, test. Yes. 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 Oh, oh great. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I took a nap today and I just woke up in this topic because I was waking up being mad about this topic and uh, monkeypox. Nobody's brought up monkeypox yet. Is, is What happened with that? I we, heard the K was silent. We brushed, <laughs> the K silent. We brushed over <laughs> it real K quickly. It's totally silent. It's uh, <laughs> monkeypox is a joke. I mean, it's not. Well, it actually, it if so, I do check the regular standard news, and it's back in the news with a vengeance. To, just today, just today, because again, a cult priestess. I was like, where did it go? All of a sudden, it was gone. Well, now they're amping it up. I think in England, Drudge Reports got it over there again. That's mainstream, and it's a good finger for the pulse of all that and then they're saying all these new cases have happened here in the states so like my, and remember uh, they locked down was it all the chinese people and then that's recently stopped so that means that's coming here right yes <laughs> they have to quarantine the ravers well there's but, you know there's all kinds of woo around this because a lot of saying it could be aerosol well, they're saying that, but they're also talking about the link between electric uh, activation. So vis-a-vis -vis millimeter RG. waves or something. Oh. Yeah, yeah, like that. That's actually part of the symptomatic release of stuff that's in the juice that everyone has. Oh. The magic Fauci juice. <laughs> I was actually going to buy one of those EMF cloths that I somebody had made it into like a a, a hood. Yeah, it was right? er just... Eric uh, or Landman, right? Has all this. Well, I don't. I don't know if Eric Landman makes them, but I think a lot of people are are selling them. But sorry, yeah, it's like a. It's almost like a poncho with a hood, mm. and I just. I think I'm just going to start wearing those around everywhere. I might start a subscription to my own negative blood. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a lot of us that, well, the blood talk lately is interesting, too. People are following it. The blood banks are dry, etc. Yeah. The blood is really interesting. What they're doing, we have this gotten no. Because of no... Warming, though, right? right? Of course. Of course. Yeah. Well, of course. <laughs> But we've got. Sure we, I want to make sure we stay. You know, we stay on the facts here. Exactly. We we've gotten no clear. I mean, we've gotten so much disinformation and, and so much information that could be real information. We don't know what is happening with the blood banks. When this first started, I talked to a guy. I uh, when I went to Washington, we went to we stayed at a hotel, and I talked to a guy who worked for a blood bank. And he told me they were still accepting blood from vaccinated people. It wasn't anything that they were looking at. Like they still anybody are. could give blood. They still are. Right. But the thing is that the people who they take the, the that they do the COVID stuff with, 
it's their antibodies. It's not the blood. What? So it's yeah, different. I, I'm, yes. I'm, the, Susan, well, Red, I'm Red, following. Red Cross will not accept vaccinated plasma donations, convalescent plasma. They will accept right. blood. They won't. They won't. Right. They will not. It's due to the spike protein. Correct. But they will accept blood donations. Yeah, they probably sell it to the cement uh, industry. <laughs> to strengthen the cement. Now, yeah. <laughs> it's the new sand. Oh, good one, it's 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 a genetic rebar. Exactly. But nonetheless, so with Saturn retrograde and these, I think personally, and of course everyone knows I'm the dark queen in the house. Um, I think that we are getting ready to look at some very, very crazy months these next two months. Of course, all the astrologers, Dan, you may um, chime in on this since you're an astrologer as well. And I know, uh, Cole Priestess, you are as well, that there is a potential for a lot of really volatile stuff in the next two months. And then I was looking at a clip from an interview that whether you love him or hate him, Uncle Cliff was on recently and he said that all the people that have gotten juiced when they realize because now they're normalizing the sudden ad adult, you know, sudden death syndrome. Yeah, sad. Sad. That's so sad. I like is, listening to right? him because well, I love to hear Uncle what's Cliff. going on in that moment. I love Cliff. <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I listen to everyone, so but I really appreciate Cliff. He's been he said he's been pretty he's, absent and silent lately. I haven't heard from him over a month now. Cliff yes. High, over yeah, Cliff month, High, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's got stuff going on in his private world, but he has been on a couple shows. But anyway, just to just to get to the point of relevance with this, <clears throat> he had said that there's going to be a mass wave of very pissed off people that when they yep. come to this realization they were duped with the juice juice duped uh, yep. they're they're along with all this other now stuff because in australia there's a campaign right now i don't know if you're paying attention to this that if they're really pushing the fact that if you're not boosted you're not fully vaxxed and they've got all this stuff i posted a commercial of it uh all these people that ended up with the rona that they were fully boosted, but are fully vaxxed, but not boosted. And they've got like a catchy slogan around it. So mm. we're getting ready for this next wave. And it's important to note also that the prime minister, I believe, right, of Russia has said the four horsemen are riding. And I just think that if we put our heads around what is the collective narrative around the realm going on, there is a lot of push towards some crazy violence right around the corner. Uh -huh. they made everyone mad towards everyone. Blacks yep. are angry with whites. Whites are now starting to not have all of this white hatred. And nope. um, and then, you know, we've got different factions of melanated people against other factions of melanated people. And everyone's just pitting against everyone and it's just those of us who are standing here looking at this greater arc going holy shit you're all being played yes and, and we need to at some point realize that and so cliff was saying there's going to be that realization and to just step out of the way is what he's saying and yep. so i just watched this clip. <laughs> i watched that today up. too like 
yeah, two hours yes. ago. Yeah. Right, Jerry. So it's out there, but I think that it, there's a lot to be said here. And it's interesting, you know, we do have uh, the astrologers in the house. So it'd be interesting to get a take yeah, on that. Absolutely. I said that yeah, the other day, how I felt like just getting out of the way. My gut was telling me just to stay out of the way. When Robert posted something, you and Robert were talking about something on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Robert's talking about this, too. Dan, yeah. what what do you have? Dan's a for real uh, astrologer as well. So, like, what you were talking about, Nish, with, like, the, the anger, the pushback, the chaos. Um, if I were to, like, guess when that would happen, it would be july 30th basically mars is traveling mars is going to be entering taurus in the beginning of july the north node is in taurus that's what causes an eclipse and uranus the planet of disruption and like electricity and revolution is also in taurus and around july 30th mars uranus and the north node all come together in taurus and it's interesting, the last time Mars entered Taurus was January 6th. It was literally that day that Mars moved from Aries into Taurus. And the dude with the, the horns was leading the way. So I think whether it's a plan thing or a synchronicity or whatever, I could see some bullshit January 6th style stuff happening around that time and also with uranus being like this chaotic electric electrifying force they're already talking about power grid stuff so if if there if there's some outages and some stuff going down i would also look to the end of july beginning of august um and then just in general scorpio season 2022 there's going to be a blood moon on the midterm day, literally on November 11th, there's a blood moon and they seeded this stuff, the Roe v. Wade stuff, the gun control stuff during this previous eclipse season, which was in the month of May. So eclipses always happen twice a year and this year it's in Taurus season and Scorpio season. So I think I agree that there's going to be some chaotic um, Mars, Uranus, North Node, explosive stuff happening at the end of July. And it, it could be in line with the same, you know, psyopy nature of January 6th, because that's the last time Mars was in Taurus. And they, they signified that with that guy with the horns. <laughs> and uh, But really, I, I really think the midterms is going to be really a low point and some fuckery is going to be going on because literally the night of that election, there's going to be a blood moon in the sky. So that's what I see in the near future. And then, and then really in March of 2023, Saturn leaves Aquarius, Mars after being retrograde for like five months, finally leaves Gemini and then Pluto, which takes like 15 years to, move to a new sign is moving into Aquarius the first time. So March 2023, I'm like pointing out is like if they have a new world order, if they have a new normal plan, it would make a lot of sense to really roll it out 
and and that happened. What does Pluto in Aquarius mean for Aquarius sun signs? I mean, this is what I'm talking about is more just like stuff for the collective, you know? Right, totally. I was just curious. Yeah, I mean, Aquarius, it's more, it's more just like um, what house is Aquarius in your chart? Because Saturn, Saturn is going to be leaving Aquarius and going into Pisces, but then Pluto is going to be in Aquarius for the first time. And that's, even though it will retrograde back into Capricorn, it's really entering this new Aquarius Pluto period, which really is, could be more technocratic. Or since Pluto is destructive, it could be destroying the technocratic stuff that they're trying to make happen. So, but either way, the, the big shifting of the eras is more in March of 2023. But this election season, um, there's going to be a blood moon on election night. So that's not good. <laughs> And I think they were seeding what they want to do, which is the, the same old shit, the Roe v. Wade and the gun control thing that just triggers people at an instant. I think they're, they seeded that in the month of May during these last eclipses so they can use it for this eclipse season election period. So that's what I'm seeing. I have a question for you, Dan. So like a, a, a blood moon being a full lunar eclipse. And you said that the, the node is what causes the eclipse. Uh-huh. So what's causing the redness? Like what is a node? Cause I'm, I'm ignorant to, to the nodes and, and how they, how they work. So and why basically, are we calling it a blood moon? Well, it's blood. It's blood. It's called a blood moon because the moon turns red. We just had one in May, on May 13th. The nodes are the actual points in the sky where the path of the sun and the path of the moon crisscross. So there's two of them, and they're always opposite of each other on the zodiac. So these points are just invisible, sensitive points that if there's a new moon or a full moon close to them, then there will be an eclipse because those points represent when the sun and the moon will actually cross paths. You know, that only happens in two different opposite points on the wheel of the zodiac, which is the whole 360 degrees of the sky. So they're just these points of intersection. So if there was an exact total solar eclipse, like there was in 2017, that was a new moon that was like right on top of one of the nodes. And if it's like, you know, within within 10 degrees of the node, it's a more weak eclipse. But the redness comes from basically the shadow of the earth, like darkening the moon. And then basically like the radiant light of the sun, like on the edge of that shadow, still lights it enough where it's dim. And that's dimness is the color red. So if, if, the, if the moon turns blood red or if the sun is blacked out, that's not really a good omen for any for anything. So eclipses are like not, I mean, the ancients thought they were like the world was coming to an end when they happened. So there, well, these aren't like, yeah, I go mean, ahead. the moon has, has always been associated with 
you know, certain feminine qualities and, you know, menstrual cycles. And I don't know, I just had been thinking about this blood moon thing about, it doesn't make sense to me how, well, first of all, like that, that's, that works if the moon doesn't generate its own light. So if it's, Which simply I just, don't think it does. <laughs> I'm just going to say, say the, the moon reflects the light of the sun. It, it doesn't, but whatever. <laughs> right. Like, I'm not going to argue that point. I'm just, I thought I was it was interesting. I was lied to in kindergarten. That the, the redness of the moon, right. And, and like the menstrual cycle, I don't know. I, I just felt like there was a connection there and uh, had been exploring some of these things. Here's what I think the connection is. The menstrual cycle is is a shedding time, a, sh a shedding of the uterus. Right. And so for me, there's, cert there's a certain shedding energy associated with a blood moon. Yeah, there, there, there is. And even just the full, like a, a blood moon is like a climax point. Or a full moon is a climax point because it's as bright as this like orb is going to get. And during like a actual blood moon, it's an eclipsed moon. And so that's like this peak energy of, you know, a long-term cycle, like hitting its climax. And then afterwards, it's kind of like over with, you know, it, at least in theory. I mean, but. Well, the waning begins after that point. Yeah, exactly. And, and eclipse, like, Lunar cycles are always, you know, one month from the new moon to the full moon back to the new moon. That's one month. So the months that it takes place from the new moon solar eclipse to the full moon blood moon, then back to the final new moon that's not eclipsed after that, that whole month is every year. There's two seasons where it's happening and it's this intense um Month and the last intense month was May, and May was the most like psyopy month we've had in a while. It was all of this stuff. So, next time it's happening is going to be from late October to late November, which is Scorpio season. And, the, like I said, the midterm election takes place during a blood moon, and so it's, it's just going to be interesting to see like what type That's of drama shed. yeah How but it's your... just it's in general it's very it's a very intense and kind of ominous thing to be happening like you know you could get into like the nitty-gritty of like what it symbolically means for any given chart but at a basic level it's going to be a full moon that night that for a short period of time turns red as they're counting the votes you know you don't need to be an astrologer to know that like that's yeah it's doomed. symbolically rich all the alignment of all of this through synchro mysticism or serendipity or actual social engineering that's applying these sciences is something to pay attention to i mean this is a big side eyes with all this and everything of course is so highly manipulated because it's a game board and we don't actually know who all the players are. Well, I always say every vote is a vote for Lucifer. Girl, I can pull up to this now. See, I understand that because this is taking yourself out of the system. Totally. 
And I like, you know, I was just talking about this occult priestess with the idea of so many people want to anthropomorphize the idea of Lucifer or the idea of Satan and make it a person when it's actually a, a system. It's or a running system. even more so an energy field. Yes, it well, it runs in the electricity. Why don't you talk about that a little bit, girl? Bring us into some of that woo. Well, I got the woo. <laughs> I'm Lilu Woo Woo Dallas, and I bring the woo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I play with astrology. I definitely don't call myself a professional because I don't want to diss those who are professionals but I do play with it. But I took out my tarot cards because that's what I really do. When you asked about, well, I asked about the next two months, right? So this month and next month. And what came up was the emperor, the ace of swords, the hero fent, the nine of pentacles and the star. So it's all about really, we've been to this class, I hope, but some people still need it. It's all about sovereignty. So taking, you know, you can pull up to that, to taking yourself out of the system, which is so true. Um, but I believe in the next two months, it really is a, a fight, personal fight against those who are trying to parent us in very dark ways, because many of us are over the age where we don't need that kind of parenting, nor did we ever. And that's how we started getting into what we, what I call conspiracy, which is the deeper truth of life. And so what was the woo question? Could you bring me back to that? Well, looking at the concept of Lucifer or Satan in the field and where we are now in the game. Excellent. So um, if you want to learn about evil for real, go back to Egypt and look up Set, S-E-T, and the myth of Isis and Osiris. And that'll tell you about the origin of evil, which I think it's good to know your basis, your baseline. Like, where did it all start? Uh, but here now, I can speak in Star Wars terms for our audience is that it is a force. There's a good force and there is a dark force. And it also plays with your subconscious. If you're not meditating and not clearing out your subconscious and not dealing with your childhood problems that you, you know, made you drink or do drugs or have too much sex or whatever, if you haven't dealt with all that, then this time period on the planet is really gonna mess with you and, and everyone else who has those kinds of issues still. So it is about getting out, how do we get out of that, that evil um, mechanism basically, you can call it a mechanism, but I believe it is a force because even when you're completely alone and in nature, if you have darkness within you, which could be unhealed trauma, or it could be that you're evil person, okay? You're going to attract the negativity from the land around you. Yes. So uh, evil is a force that is everywhere, but so is positivity and love. And you are within yourself, the source of one or the other because you're cultivating light or you're cultivating darkness within your life through your actions, your choices and your moral compass, right? So Excellent. This is all yes. about, it's about becoming a good person if you haven't already, because this mechanism of evil is going to start eating people, which I believe it already has. I mean, we've seen so many deaths through the, through the jab. So 
we're going to start losing people massively in the next few years. And that's going to recalibrate everyone to where they can make better choices, whether they're cultivating goodness or if they're cultivating darkness, because most people aren't even aware that they're cultivating anything. Like it's not there, right? So do you have a spiritual path? I guess that would be my first question. And the second question is, what are you reaching out for? Do you have a sincere hope in your hearty heart to be one with something that loves you bigger than you, something that loves you more than you can imagine that's bigger than yourself? Or are you trying to run your world on ego? Okay, that's it. <laughs> mm -mm -mm. Thank you for that. I agree. And I do like looking at the analogy of the Star Wars uh, way of the force. And I think that that is, has always been such a prescient way to look at these innate energies really that are all around us. And then when we start factoring in frequencies, energy, and vibration through things like sound and light, especially, we start to deepen that field of awareness and how all this is actually plugging in to the reality of which we are now navigating. And as we know, 5G, which was its main thing was to bring on AR, we're working with AR right now. I mean, if you want to really look at those examples, I mean, look at the covenant of the ark and the holograph of the queen in it last week. I mean, her that coach is absolutely stylistically covered in the imagery of the covenant of the ark. It, it, it's absolutely to description of it. And then the fact that we had the hologram in there, this stuff's being introduced to, to people, inter, introduced to people all around in subtle ways. And the thing is, I understand the coolness factor and I understand the newness factor from a younger me that got very excited about all this kind of stuff. But now I see that these things are being used against us because for whatever reason, wherever we are in this narrative right now, I personally am not pulling in nastiness. My personal bubble is lovely. But when I cast my eye outside of my own cell, my own cell. And I say that it's a cell in a body and not a, not a block cell, <laughs> just to be clear, an organic cell. I'm seeing a lot of cancerous stuff out there. And part of it is the introduction to these ideas through energy, frequency, and vibration, and light, and sound, and the things that are making up what we consider our reality. And that's one of the things that is causing me a little bit of, I guess, anxiety. And I have no problem admitting I've been having anxiety and having a little bits of paranoia because everything's very dark out there. And sometimes I have been really challenged with riding the center line for myself and trying to stay balanced because as we all said, all of us, at least here, 
and a lot of the audience, you know, we knew where this was going two years ago. We really did. A lot of us were just bang on with it, with our, whether we were having it as a psychic awareness, whether we were just looking at deductive realities in the field, whether we were looking at receipts, whether we were looking at old agendas like silent weapons for silent wars, all this different information that allowed us to say, look at what's going on with this social engineering. And here we are now. We're in a different world. We're in a different dimension. The circle is no longer a circle. We're in a sphere. And we realize that it's deepened. And so this is where it's kind of like Uncle Cliff saying, stay out of the way because the violence is going to be real and just stay, do your best to stay out of the way. It's already primed. Everyone's tank is full and the match is about ready to be lit. That's what I have. Mm-hmm. Very That's well. Said. I agree with that. And it makes me think that, um, you know, we, we, we're all kind of in agreement that this is psychological warfare. These are psyops. And um, I think they work the best and we feel it the most and we're ruined by it the most when they actually divide us from our friends and family and the people in our Absolutely. lives. That's like the only time that this, like we don't have to be afraid of fucking monkeypox. We aren't. But uh, we don't have to like be afraid of school shooters or random, you know, mass shooters in public, like be paranoid of that. But our, some of our friends and family are. And I think the most like ninja thing we can do these days is like you're saying, Nish, like not get involved and also not let it like divide us and break down the relationships. Cause literally the only time this works is when it's like neighbor versus neighbor like snitching on your neighbor or think you know it, it's it's the it's social engineering it's social psyops but if we can be like ninjas and not and dodge this stuff and not let it ruin our relationships i think it's it's non-existence because that that's the only time we feel it is when it brings up conflict in our relationships that's because because you know, we know better, but the people in our lives don't. And it's like, can you maintain much? And also want to say, I've been doing a series on Saturday over at rockfin.com slash occult priestess on mind control. I've been bringing my audience in for two hours or more, and we're just watching information and absorbing it together as a community on these topics, especially mind control. I just want to add to this that staying out of the melee that's about to occur is walking the middle path it's it's not being on a black and white black or white square of the masonic checkerboard it's you can still yeah you're you're in between you're walking in between the lines 
but you can still be looking at both sides. Not saying, be... absolutely. But you're not involved in either side. And exactly, you by, have to stay uninvolved. Correct. And by that, you're you're walking the middle path. And I'm sorry. Yes. People listening, I just. Well, it's like watching a football game. You might actually be invested in one team winning, but you're not in the game. Correct. Yes. Exactly. It's the same way for me. For it's for politics. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I won't. I refuse to choose a side. I just observe both or all. Yeah. So that's all. The middle path is what Buddha taught us about, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yes. Bruce Lee. And Jesus. It's, it's Bruce Lee. Be water. I middle totally have been is... thinking of Bruce Lee this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> we love Bruce. I think I'm... since we're at the two hour mark, I think we should allow people to tell us and the audience out there where you are in the world and all that. Just just so we at least get that out there. So, you know, it's that plugging time, Eric, Dan, I, occult priestess. Maude. I just wanted to quickly add that the middle path is the, you know, it's Jacob's ladder. It's in between the two pillars on the Masonic tracing board. And that, yes. you know, that is, that is the way out of this, dualistic <clears throat> mindset right being pushed to one side or the other like a wave you know just following that middle line and you know i think that with everything that's, yeah with everything that's coming for me personally i've tried to just really focus in on the fear that i have in myself and to acknowledge that it's there and to just treat it like information and yep. and not necessarily let it overwhelm me or cause me anxiety because I've suffered from anxiety in the past and I've really gotten to a place where I've been able to to really manage that and use it to help me to progress spiritually and so yeah the fear the the darkness the evil all of these things are inside of all of us and so is the light and the goodness. And it's a balancing of those forces that is the middle path, right? You don't want to be completely evil and you don't want to be like all about light and love. You want to be able to balance these things like the shadows and the darkness within you are part of you and they're information and they're there to help you learn about who you truly are and what you are. It's cha chaotic neutral. Yeah, and Don't I think you, they, they have I'm value. I'm not chaotic or neutral. I'm just good, and it does work, by the way. Just to let you know from no, experience. Was, from, from a D&D perspective. That's, oh, D&D. Sorry, yeah, guys. Like, I consider myself chaotic neutral. <laughs> that's I have a fight song, Jerry. What's you that? Know, I have a fight song, a, a fight song for walking straight down the middle that yeah. you brought up, and it's by Kate Bush, and I put it in the chat. I and it's saw that. Straight down the I middle. love that song. We love Kate Bush. Don't you think, though, that this has pushed people to realize where they're at in their lives if if they're truly wanting the best for, you know, whatever the outcome is, uh, you know, for the moral majority, or if they are going to be, you know, on one side of, of, you know, the line or the other? Um, to me, it seems like 
this has really been a push to find out who we really are as a person unto our own selves, what relationship we have to a higher power, uh, if we believe in that or not. And, you know, it's, it's like the third, what is it? The third thing of Fatima, the, the, the third prophecy, they don't, the third prophecy of Fatima, they don't want to say what it is because it will push people to extremes. So what is that? You know, is that something we have to figure out for ourselves as to where we are within our lives, what we will deal with and what we will not deal with, what we will put up with as human beings and for other people, you know, we all have to make a stand for where we are in our lives and, and what we believe in for not only our own families, but for, for, you know, the great majority of other human beings, because we're all human beings. There's no rate. We are one race. And when are we going to realize that? And and start genetic, standing up with a few genetic defects. Yes, <laughs> with a few genetic <laughs> defects. Yes, <laughs> but can oh, we yeah. just like come together and and realize we're being played by people that have been in this for a really long time? Well, think about how many people are still stuck in their family dynamics in their 60 yes. years old and they're still acting like a teenager. That's what I yeah. see. Oh, yeah. yeah, me too. Yes. Yeah. I've paid my way out. <laughs> so maybe this is maybe this is us waking up to saying, hey, we can say we're sorry. We can admit we were wrong. Like it doesn't always have to be no, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't wrong. We're not always on the defensive. Maybe we can all, I don't know. Just get along. Can we come to a place where we can get along? (laughs) Everyone is so emotionally damaged. If we try to get along right now with all this emotional damage, it would just be a train wreck. So we really have to heal within. That's the thing. As an observer, I'm never on a defensive unless they get too close. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Right. Well, the only thing you can change is yourself, and that's hard enough. That is right. Yeah, if we do not create our own reality, I'd like to bring up that new age bullshit that Mark (laughs) Passio so well, right? So we do not create our own reality. The first thing I did when this corona came out was watch the manifestors and the prosperity gospel people. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, let's see how they, they take credit for this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. And what thank happened you. because I didn't watch any of that. What what happened with that? I don't watch Nish. any of ahead, I didn't Nish. watch any of it either. I didn't need to, but when I talk about new age stuff that I'm not having, it's a lot of that kind of stuff and it it's it's bizarre how it it's almost a cop out in a way. Was that like the five D Earth crap and all, all that stuff? <laughs> you know, I actually had a lot of talk somewhere. <laughs> what I want to know how many of them have ascended. I know a cult, <laughs> no. a cult priestess. What do you What are you saying? 
there were a lot of talk show hosts that I actually confronted them on their shows, like Tim Ray, put that name out there. You can go find him and said, you know, how's that manifesting working out for you these days? (laughs) (laughs) This because I've encountered this just having the shows and being on shows with people that would pardon me, bring that kind of information forward. Now, remember, I the one thing I, I wasn't brought up in religion, but I did get a lot of new age stuff in my upbringing. And so that's where I get knee, knee jerky. And this was, this is exactly why I continue to say, well, in my bubble, everything seems all right. However, and then also I am not creating this craziness and I'm not trying to participate in it, but I'm observing it. And if I can't talk about it, then I am also now one of those silenced people. This it's bullshit. And I I just get so tired of that coming back at me in some of these circles. And I try to be looking, I'm getting fired up. I try to be uh, very grounded with it, but it, it is something that's out there that takes away our power in observance, in action and, and understanding that, if you're having trouble, if there's trouble in your life that you created it is, is interesting. Yes. I, I, I'm a union of course, but not like a cult union. And I understand the dynamic in our psyche to project out inner stuff that's going on inner turmoil that's going on and working through all of that. I get that. I get the idea of it, but to just totally throw yourself into the new age fires of that concept that's being pushed out there just feels like a major gaslighting effort by a lot of people to keep people silent it's the new human movement right the whole new human movement potential or whatever that whole psyop was in the 60s with all of you know alan watts and uh Oh my God, all those people in San Francisco and the Esalen Institute and all that bullshit. The Omega Institute, which I worked at. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh, holy crap. You worked at the Omega Institute? I worked at the Institute. Brad, you lived there over, didn't you? Yeah, I lived there for six years. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of them are going to, a lot of them are going to manifest sudden adult death syndrome probably yes they they are i believe that it's a climate change so the new age that was started more through theosophy and blood yes and we go back to alistair crowley which actually yep. through alistair crowley we got the 12 steps of aa alcoholics anonymous yes right we there's did. a there's a lot and you know it's to parse out because alan watts was brought up and i will tell you i love listening to alan watts i find him inspiring but like everything else y'all know i will listen to perry stone and that crazy demon preacher i can't even think of his Kenneth name Copeland. <laughs> Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Co- i listen to everyone <laughs> and i will tell you listening to alan watts always inspires me but is it i'm not buying into the cult of it just like Jung, i i come up out of that school the union paradigm i think a lot of what's going on around Jung is cultish which is what he had warned everyone about when he was 80 and so i think it takes a lot of discernment to expose yourself to stuff out there and then you know 
come on, people, be rational with it. Nish, you are the most discerning person I've ever known in my life. Oh, you, Suze, I can't imagine. <laughs> no, you are. You you don't get caught up in all the stuff. Like I get so emotional about this stuff, and you can like rise above it. And I'm always amazed. And I'm not doing this just to suck. You know, what whatever. What am I, chopped liver? I'm not. No, I really. Jerry, what's Jerry chopped liver so over there? Stuff too, Jerry. I will get to that. But Nish can rise above all this stuff where I cannot. Jerry, you taught me that I do not whatever anybody has whatever the feeling is it's my feeling not anybody else's right so you have taught me a great service nish has taught me a great service too but i still can't get to where she's at like i can't (laughs) well i have been i will what is your sign my sign answer oh yes sorry susan's a cancer yeah Taurus. I'm a, a Taurus sun, but then of course in Vedic, I'm uh, Aries. Yeah, Aries. I was going to say Aries. First Deccan, and then of course 12th house sun, which explains all the darkness, y'all. Oh no, it explains some beauty about you too, Nish. Beauty as it, well. My love, of the, my love of like the dark aesthetic. But what I'm saying here is like, I've been triggered and I got triggered, I don't know, a few weeks ago on a radio show. I got triggered so bad. I've never gone off like that. And I was actually- Was very, it on Freeman's show? No. Oh no. God, no. no. That was great. No, it was live on air. Um, mm. I can't even remember what it was. I'm, I'm just, the Fringe FM oh. show? Mm, I, don't, I don't remember. No, it, I don't think it was on Joe's network. Not, but it was. Yeah, sorry. Anyway, it was live. It was on the radio. And I had been, I got I got triggered about all the white hate. And uh-huh. and the, the stuff going on. And I, I just, I lost my center. And I don't do that very often. It's very, very rare. And I just, I later that night at this you know you know when you lose your center and so the sometimes you're brilliant when you lose that center i agree but the peace left me like in my yeah heart and so during that trying to sleep all of that was swimming around me that i don't usually have all those words all that kind of vitriol i was feeling and really what i was defending was the fact that how are we getting to the point where we are we're literally being divided skin deep stuff old stuff that doesn't matter anymore people that don't even there there are there are black people in america that have come to america as immigrants and seeking asylum that are here tearing this place up and and spewing slavery crap all left and right and they've just come here they've cut they have no skin in that game here in fact the skin in the game is in their country with their own people and and so these acts of violence upon you know people here americans whether they're black americans or white americans or latin americans that have come here legally and paid their dues are paying tax you know whatever they're in the system 
system. They're Americans. And then for people to come in and start tearing up our home, tearing up the place, and then turning all the whites into the demons. And I just, I lost it. I lost it. I lost it. And I just started raging on air. And then I thought, oh my God, everyone's going to hate me for standing up for white people for once because nobody is doing that. And then I, I received a ton of love over it, but it was a moment of me losing my balance because of I got emotional. I got too emotional. I don't like this idea that we are tearing ourselves up like this. And that felt very personal because what I'm seeing why I left even my homelands over there, the Minneapolis is a, a, a goddamn mess. You know, it, it's, it's hard in some neighborhoods to not get raped if you're a woman. And I can attest to this firsthand. And all the stuff that kind of brought me into the consciousness of this from non-Americans that came over seeking asylum from hardships. <laughs> and then they bring that here and they put this onto us. And a lot of us who are good hearted have brought them in and our taxpayer, you know, the tax money, we're setting up people. Meanwhile, we've got our homeless here. Meanwhile, the streets are everywhere terrible. And I felt so bad for all of a sudden defending my 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 homeland here which is what i consider the united states you can hate it or not but this is our home and i think everyone on this panel this is our home and i'm i got i i Suze, i lost my center and i didn't mean to and it's now something i'm struggling with because what do you do when you have guests in your house that are tearing apart your house how long do you smile and say oh it's all right hon that's a very good question. And, but, you know, but because I am a white woman, that's like, that's radical, right? I can't actually stand up and say that. And this is a problem I'm having. I personally have never had slaves. I personally do not condone slavery. I personally think it's horrible. But I personally can attest to the fact that the stuff being done that has been done to me personally in the name of, of, of trying to bring this shit back up and put it in my face has been absolutely vile. And I'm just not one to sit down and have the continued proverbial shit piled over me. And so it's hard sometimes to find grounded, centered space when it's in your house, right? This is in our house, everyone. And this is the lack of control. It mm -hmm. is. Well, it it's is. also the lack of having a bogus narrative. I mean, it's the problem of a bogus narrative. I, I, has anybody here found Dane Calloway on YouTube? No, uh, I don't know who uh, that is. Dean, he will Dean. Blow, he, he, it's, I mean, I found him almost two years ago. It, um, so Brad, I guess, is it Dean, D-E-A-N? Dane? D-A-N-E is somebody from Denmark. Okay, Dane Calloway. Yes, like Care, you're on that, I know. And black he, guy. Yes. He, yeah. Well, yes, he is definitely copper colored. I mean, he, his, he, it's, it's so funny to have this excitable person of color who is, is speaking in a dialect that's, that I now call my, you know, the dialect that I'm used to. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the heart of Appalachia. I mean, it's really funny. I, somebody who I know is real smart, instead of saying narcissist, said narcissist. 
And I said, you do know the words narcissist. Yeah. She goes, yeah, too many syllables. We're going to say narcissist. <laughs> and it's not like they don't know. How, they don't, they don't. It's just like there's a certain way the mouth moves with the dialect and certain big old multi-syllabic words. is just like, oh man, that ain't going to fit into the way we speak. Um, you know, it's not like it's, they don't know the words. It's just like when they, and when they say it, they sound ignorant, you know, but, but. I've always I've always thought that those people were not ignorant, that those people, it's I've a, never, I've dialect. never believed it is a the mainstream yeah. narrative about, because I have family from Appalachia. I mean, we came through Appalachia. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't believe that everyone from the Middle Ages was illiterate. I don't believe that. Right. Did the well, Middle Ages even exist? Who built oh. pyramids? Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> these people were not stupid. Yeah, no, these people, <sighs> I'm, I'm with some of the smartest people. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a dull knife. No, and, um, of course not. Exactly. <laughs> and I've gotten, once I got past, you know, what it seemed like and, you know, like and see people thinking in real time, responding to me. And I'm not, you know, like in all, to me, again, there are certain intellectuals who like to kind of go, it's almost like a dick fighting match, you know, or sort of, you know, <laughs> I, I just like to engage where I normally live, you know, my yeah. normal robust kind of language level and just every day, the way I talk to Nish, the way I talk to y'all. And um, and I did, I have not had a problem um, with the people that I naturally gravitate towards. They don't speak like that. And if they kind of come over, go oh, and if they find if I use one of my words, they'll go, "What does that mean?" And 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 they can just like it's they take it right back in once it's described. They fit it into because the, they were listening. They you know what I mean? They're not lost. Um, they and so they I see. I said these are sharp minds. These you know. And that's what, to me, what intelligence, I, I like a nice, functional, robust, in real time intelligence, not a bunch of fact slinging and, you know, vocabulary yes. slinging and stuff. Yep. Yeah. This is, you know, this is the thing. And this is why I have, I enjoy intelligence, period. That's like one of the things that I look for in people. And, and certainly when we're talking about stuff that is like literally skin deep. So when we're talking about what is between your legs and the color of your skin, mm -hmm. I'm our, you've already lost me there because I just don't function on that level. And so the fact that the world is trying to function on that level is so appalling to me that we've got, we've sunk that low that the social engineers can manipulate it to that lowly level is, is a, concern this well, let me get back to dane because it's a very applicable to our narrative what the, what his his narrative busting as goes on here is that the majority of black people or african americans in america were here before the europeans arrived yes they are the indigenous people of the land the majority of them um including many of the the carib the caribbean indians they were also of a you know copper colored people what you know what we would call colored um, especially along the, you know the or the coasts and and the warmer areas because they weren't stupid um, they were seminal in cherokee yeah, yes but but they owned the land and he has the deeds and basically as he traces people back nobody has like no none of the quote unquote slave people have African ancestry. They're all indigenous Americans. 
So this I've is seen some of that Radagast. Okay, so yeah, if if this is valid, and again, I've spent hundreds of, or at least you know dozens of hours listening to him and the money he has spent. I mean, and, and the coherence of of where he goes. You know what I mean? You can stay you can stay intellectually engaged with him even when even when he gets all emotional and he's funny. I got to calm down now. <laughs> well, it's because, that's go ahead. That's go ahead. true because at the time that the you know settlers came here, uh, a lot of Caucasians were you know leaving to go off and join these tribes, and so you had quote unquote <clears throat> black people who were just native to this land uh, living together with whites and it didn't really suit the purposes of the colonizers, right? It didn't suit well, they their- They were the ones who owned and had already were working the plantations. Those were their farms. The plantations were their farms. Right. And then apparently there's some legal things where they say, oh, can we use your land or whatever? And of course, these are people who who- go by nobility and you're supposed to be of your word. And these people were signing documents that these people, I mean, they basically tricked them out of their land. And then at, at first, what it is, is to satisfy their debt, they had to work their own land. I mean, it's really, I mean, he covers the history quite well, but the, the most important thing is when you look around and we see all these copper colored and black people, majority of them are from Native American tribes, majority. And it's really interesting to hear Native, Native Americans will talk about their African brothers and Africans will talk about the Native American brothers and say, no, we ain't the same. Even though we look the same, we ain't the same. Right. See, this is what we need to keep open minds when we're looking at revisionist history. And that's what this falls into. But this and is paper, but the beautiful thing is this is like the pay, he's following paperwork of people's ancestry hundreds yes. of years back. I'm deep into that stuff myself. You know, so, I mean, it, it, it's I mean. It's a, it's a good idea to play with when we're playing with our old narrative, like Fomenko's timeline. I don't need to adapt, adopt it, but I don't treat BC and AD like I used to in my feeling when I feel into the stories. You know, I don't have to, again, I have to go on any kind of crusade. We need to change this. Oh, no, no, take all, you know, I don't get caught up on that. But I do know when I see this and I take it in and suddenly the lay of the land and especially the fuckery with history and chronology. You know, again, we don't have to need to, to put our finger right on it. Just know that we're not dealing with real facts. In other words, as no. we make, as we, as we try to navigate, as we try to apply our, you know, our noose, you know, the God has given mind to this. Where a lot of us are dealing with, we have to deal with the facts we were given, and every, and treat everything else as, mm, but uh, so we could come to some really, you know, bad conclusions because we're working with narratives of, of like, in other words, why people are pissed now. Now, let me tell you, people who used to own the land got plenty to be pissed off about. I mean, it's more, that's why it's more empowering than the slavery thing that they're carrying now, which I think is one of the reasons why it was turned that way. Because, well, you know, one oh, thing oh, 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 the slaves are complaining. If the original owners are complaining, it's, the story is different. And, you know, this is the thing that has struck me digging back. And I love all this stuff. I, I actually, on the side, live within all this stuff and looking at all the revisionist stuff through scholarship. And um, and also, there's a lot to be said, whether people want to pull up to it or not, but the DNA, the DNA stuff that goes on, that if you, peel, you if we keep peeling back the narratives, we keep peeling back the stories, 
it's things change quite a bit and it is hard to tell in the end when we're talking about ownership of something like mama the earth i just i have you know i'm here i'm a custodian of the things i have i'm a custodian of the place i live and i try to be a good custodian i have uh treat everything naturally my land is treated naturally and with respect i'm living in as much uh in alliance with all of it. I treat the old things I have with respect, knowing that I'm a custodian. I don't own anything in that regard because we come in and we leave. And so the more we peel back narratives, especially ownership narratives, the more we see that, well, that party didn't own that space or they weren't occupying that space. Oh, and then you peel back again, like, oh, okay, so here's this party and they're there. And then you peel back again and you start to wonder, well, what is actually time when we're looking at time in conjunction with uh, the layers of narrative? And it, it's tricky territory, but everything we all grew up knowing about our history, I do believe is all false. It was all a narrative that was created. And this, this is such a hot topic right now too, because people are emotionally attached to their stories, the stories that give them a sense of identity. And that's, again, the heart of identity politics. And so the idea that my great grandpa had this land over here and worked it, that's his land. Well, who was there before your great grandpa? And et cetera, we can go back. And we know that humans on this planet tend to con other humans into doing things that they don't want. There's a system here, some sort of caste system that seems to really be across the board. The Egyptians were able to do it. The Jewish people have been able to do it. The Slavs have done it. The Picts have done it. I mean, we could just go on and on with this. The caste system we see is narcotic corruption of the, or, the original societal uh, noble structure of society that was self or basically self-organizing and was not a closed system at any level. I agree with that. And I, I'm with that also. And I do believe in that whole distortion idea. But I'm saying if I look out into nature, which is where I get my center point, mm -hmm. and I look at how ants function, and then I look over here and I look at how bees function, then I look at how deer function. And then I look, you know, if I look at nature, if I look at pine trees, and I look at the fact that pine trees excrete a certain chemical into the land around them that allows their offspring to grow and kills off all the competition. Well, you know, where are you at on that spectrum? And this is where I always think that it's a good idea not to think in, in black and white terms as far as good or bad, because, you know, Again, the proverbial spider and the fly. Who are you? They both have a purpose here. They're both in the realm and they're both trying to survive. And I think when we start thinking about how complicated humans make things, it becomes a little bit more murky because if my granddad was was a is a farmer say my granddad is a farmer in south africa for 200 years and just got uh, you know his family and now he's under this backlash of a genocide movement that's going on there right now that's real and it's grotesque um 
how emotionally involved am I going to get? I'm going to be upset because it's my granddad. But then if I go back far enough, you know, what did what did people down that line do to other people that had that space? And these narratives, we could go round and round and round. And at some point we have to actually inhabit the space we're in now and set aside the emotional content to somehow suss out how we're going to move forward because all this is used against us and peeling back the layers gives us an idea that this is some sort of continual cyclic uh, experience that we're having. And I think that's where I'm more interested in focusing on. It is. We haven't learned from history. Why are we where we are now? Well, we didn't because even we know that learned. our history was, Suze, because exactly. we were told our history was one thing. Yeah. And, and there's active. But I mean, there's enough stuff in history to say, look, you idiots, this shit's coming because it's happened before. So, but that's why they're actively, they, the proverbial they, are actively trying to eradicate history. Yes. Yeah. If you don't and know your history. Something, speaking about your point before, you had said how far we had fallen. And that really struck me when you said that. Because I believe what we're talking about here on that meta level is as a collective, we've all fought, well, not me, but many people, most people have fallen into materialism. And that's a huge topic. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, it's so, it absolutely. And I think that that starts to get kind of at the heart of the realm we're in. And part of what this separation is, if we step out of people trying to tell us narratives of what's happening, that we are in the material realm. We're in a material plane and density has a space and we are denser than other things. And there's also this idea of, well, we come from the idea of there's the circle in one plane and then we go to our dimension. Then we go to the next dimension. That circle becomes a sphere, etc. How deep does it go? And so yeah, this is all. I I am going to have to bow out here soon, so y'all can keep going. I no, need to I cook. need to I need to go to bed. Right. <laughs> but I wanna I wanna allow people to uh, tell yeah. us how yeah, people yeah, yeah. can find you in the world and what are your, you know, where are you and where can people find you and all that stuff. Why don't you start a cult priestess? Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me at sending me the email. And you guys are just lovely and bright and great to fill my home with. So you can find me at occultpriestess.com. I also rock the fin over at rockfin.com slash occultpriestess. And every weekend, we've got something educational coming, going down and building communities. So thank you so much, guys. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Thanks for joining. How about Eric? Yeah, thank you, Jerry and Nish, for, uh, for reaching out and having me on tonight. Um, I'm on YouTube. Uh, it's Esoteric Journey is the channel, and we do uh, a live stream every Thursday from 8 to 10 Eastern time where we get into all types of different esoteric topics. I'll drop a link in chat. And it was good to meet all of you guys, too. It's good to meet you, too. Definitely. You, too, Eric. All right, Shook Daddy, your turn. Yeah, my show is called The Cosmic Keys Podcast. Um, it's on all the podcast platforms. I do a uh, week ahead astrology forecast. If you want to know what the astro weather is, 
Um, and I also do birth chart readings. Um, now this is like my full-time gig. So I'm, I'm owning it that I am an astrologer. So hit me up if you need a birth chart reading. Um, and everything is on cosmickeyspodcast.com. And thanks for having me, Nish and Jerry. I fucking love, love this show. So it's awesome <laughs> to get the invite. <laughs> yeah, we need to do this more often, I think. I love, I love doing panel shows. Um, Modwiz, Radagast, you want to pitch anything plug yeah. anything well nothing i guess in nothing on youtube i'm kind of semi i'm pretty much retired from youtube mm -hmm. but and if but if i do come on it's going to be about my new passion of building you know old vintage amps based on the old fender schematics um and my experience with you know being you know building to being on a third build building a you know build going from a guitar to a bass amp how that's different and, uh, you know, just see if any, you know, these are the do-it-yourselfers, you know, people like myself who, you know, I don't have an electronics degree. I went, I, I just would find a question, put it in a Google search and, you know, or, you know, search engine and just little by little kind of come up to speed and, um, and then, and find out, you know, because electricity is kind of like, uh, you know, one of her, one of her forces, you know, that's, that's separated out from magnetism, which is the center of everything. Yep. I suddenly got into like the kind of the magic of, of electricity mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with with the circuits i'm using being the language i'm sorry i took too much longer so no, if i have a question it'll be it okay it'll be a, it'll be about that and just you know my fascination and other people who are doing the exact same thing and may, probably making you know and also but now i've kind of as a beginner as a humble beginner i have found my footing in a certain little section of amp building that i'm, I'm you know probably b plus co competent on mm -hmm. and um so I'm, i like to stay where my strengths are and and just kind of nudge out like any you know grow very it's just been fascinating because um again it's how you know imagine you know using this force of energy and and then to use it to to shape tone and uh and to take music you know a, you know out of the strictly organic spectrum but how the the tubes by ask adding this dimension of even order harmonics that naturally develop, especially in the class A tubes, you're now using another, this other factor, this byproduct of how electricity operates under a vacuum tube and with a signal go going through it and what that does to the signal. And it adds, it adds a component that is pleasing. So that's the whole thing. If you're going to take a step out of the organic, keep, make sure it's an expansion and not just an amplification. Have you? Have you looked? Sorry. Eric Dollard. Sorry, guys. I was Eric Dollard. I, was I wasn't going to say Eric, Eric Dollard. Dollard. I was going to say him. Preston Nichols. Have you heard him talking about what vacuum tubes are? Oh yeah. Oh, well, I know. I listen to Dollard. I know. Well, what they can be. Yeah. Well, and they're also what we're using them for. They're also that. Right. 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 The try and find Preston Nichols' last interview mm -hmm. before he died. It's got some real interesting vacuum tube information in there. And, Where it was levitating stuff, Jer? No, about how it's, uh, there's like a the zero. Galaxies form. Zero point where there's no yeah. no dimension in there. Yeah, it's it's real. Yeah. The galaxies are oh, nice. Vortexes. All right, it's great. Well, this was a fantastic show. And thank you so much, everyone, for joining in a pinch. And we appreciate it. And we'd love to have you all back sometime. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Nish, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank everyone. This was a fantastic.
back to it show. Yeah. Thank you, panel. Thank you, Jerry. Jerry's now moved, so it's a yes, new day. I'm moved. And we'll be back in two weeks with uh, Tommy Kerrigan from Tommy Podcast, which should be a good time. Bye, Raddy. <laughs> he's gone radigas just he left he bailed so thank you everyone and dave barsky did text me he totally forgot he said and he's super sorry damn that barsky (laughs) (laughs) yeah but we got to talk to you right right, right. i'm definitely a worthy replacement (laughs) definitely the three of you have been so fantastic the art core here is Suzanne, Jerry, and I, and I know that this was such a wonderful experience to just be back with the three of you, well, the two of you, and then to have three of you is here with us. Thank you so much. It's like a giant orgy of intellect. Yes. (laughs) All right. On that note, I'm out. I'm out too. Bye, guys. Have a good one, everyone. Take care.